When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. During this extended time at home, I've taken up a few new hobbies. Banjalele which is the combination of a banjo and a ukulele. Gardening. My radishes are planted and are probably, at this point, going to be the most successful thing I harvest. And some cooking. I've tried my hand at a few new recipes, like shakshuka, or roasted potatoes with oil and lemon. But the one thing I haven't tried yet is making pizza dough. Some of you may remember a few months ago when I sang to some bread to make it rise, but how much should I sing to pizza dough? Does it require a lot of song, like something from the Grateful Dead? Or something a bit shorter, like Do You Know the Muffin Man? I decided with something in the middle and a little bit more on theme, I mixed the yeast, the warm water, and the sugar. I let it sit until it was bubbling and smelled a bit like a warm foot. Then slowly mixed in the flour while singing. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. I know it was a bit cheesy to be singing that song while making pizza dough. But I think it was the secret sauce. Before you all groan and turn this off due to the pizza pie puns, I will move on to the first teller in this episode. Tim Lowry's fourth grade teacher wrote on his report card, Tends to excessive speech, and forever afterwards this brief phrase has been cited in grammar books everywhere as the paramount example of an understatement. Tim Lowry is here to tell the story, Bastianello. Bastianello, a tale about some idiots from the country of Italy. Once there was a man named Sabastiano, and Sabastiano had a wife. Her name was Stulta. Sabastiano and Stulta had a daughter, very beautiful girl, named Carla. And Carla was going to be married. She was going to marry a very handsome man named Carlo. Carla and Carlo would be husband and wife. Sabastiano, the papa, and Stulta, the mama, said they wanted to have a big party and invite people from all around the different villages to come and celebrate their daughter's wedding. There would be dancing and wine and cheese. And then, after the great celebration, there would be the exchangement of the vows, and then Carla and Carlo would start their life together. So many people came, and it was a wonderful party. There were so many people there that they soon ran out of wine. 
Now Carla wanted to show her new husband how she would serve him. And so she stood right up from her place at the table and volunteered to take the wine pitcher and go down into her papa's cellar and refill it from the wine cask. She walked down, down the stairs and placed the pitcher under the wine cask and turned on the tap. And as the wine started to flow out of the big barrel and into the pitcher, she stood there daydreaming about the wonderful life she would have when she was married to Carlo. And Carla thought to herself, Ah, yes, Carlo, he is a handsome man. He is a nice, he is a big and strong. And he is going to build me a big house because he is a rich, rich, rich. And then he is going to give me a nice baby. And I will name this baby Bastianello. Little Sebastiano, for he's a papa. Oh, and he'll be such a nice baby. He won't cry too much. And then he'll grow up to be a nice boy, and then a big, strong man, and he'll be a soldier, and he'll get in the war, and he'll be a killed. <laughs> and Carla started crying for a baby that was imaginary. She was daydreaming. He hadn't even been born yet. Meanwhile, the wine was overflowing the pitcher and running all over the floor of the cellar. She was splashing around in ankle-deep wine. Upstairs, all of the people were very thirsty. And so, Carla's mama, Stulta, said she would go down into the cellar and see what was keeping her daughter. When she walked down, down, down the stairs, there was Carla splashing around in the wine, crying and carrying on. She said, Carla, what is wrong? She said, oh, mama, I was going to have a nice wedding. Yes, you are going to have a nice wedding. Carlo, he is a nicer man. Yes, he was going to build me a bigger house. Yes, he was going to build you a bigger house because he is a rich, rich, rich. <laughs> he was going to give me a nice baby and I was going to name him Bastianello. Oh, Bastianello, for he's a papa. <laughs> and then Bastianello was going to grow up to be a nice boy and then a big man and he would be a soldier and he would get in the war and be killed. <laughs> and old Stulta started crying for an imaginary grandson that hadn't even been born yet. Meanwhile, the wine had overflowed the pitcher, was running all over the floor, and now it was knee-deep in the cellar. Upstairs, everybody was complaining. They were thirsty and there was nothing to drink. So finally, old Papa Sabastiano said that he would go and see what was keeping the women. He walked down, down the stairs, and when he came to the cellar, there were the women splashing around in knee-deep wine, crying and carrying on, What is wrong? <laughs> the mama Stulta explained it to him. Uh, Carla, she was going to get married. Yes, I know, she's going to have a big wedding. I pay for a big wedding. <laughs> and she was going to have a nicer house. Yes, a nicer house. Carlo will build a nicer house because he is a very rich man. <laughs> and then they were going to have a nicer baby and name him Bastianello. Ah, oh, Bastianello, for he's a papa. <laughs> and Bastianello, he was going to be a nice little boy and grow up to be a nice big man. He would be a very strong man. He would be a soldier and he would get in the war and he would be a killed. <laughs> and old papa started crying. Now the three of them were crying and carrying on for a baby that hadn't even been born yet. He was totally imaginary. The wine was overflowing the pitcher and was now waist deep in the cellar. 
everybody upstairs started to leave because there was nothing to drink. And so Carlo said he would go down and see what was keeping his new family. When he walked down the stairs and he saw them all splashing around in the wine, crying and carrying on, and when they told him what was wrong, all Carlo could say was, Stupido, stupido, stupido. And I don't even have to tell you what that means. He said that he could not marry Carla. He called the whole wedding off. In fact, he said that he would not marry unless he could find three people who were as stupido as Carla. And so then he packed up all of his belongings in a handkerchief and left that place. When he walked out of the village, there on the edge of the village there was a well. He stopped at the well to see an old man trying to dip water out of the well with a sieve. Well, of course you can't dip water with a sieve because there's holes in a sieve. It's used for sifting flour and things, and all the water was running through the holes. Papa, said Carlo, what are you doing? I'm trying to dip water with this sieve. Don't use a sieve, use a bucket. So the old man got a bucket, and he dipped it into the well. It worked much better. Ah, grazie, said the old man. That man was as dumb as Carla. That made one. Carlo continued walking down the road. After a while, he decided to stop and have his lunch under a shade tree. When he sat down under the tree, he noticed there was a pair of boots laying on the ground under the tree. And when he looked up into the tree, there was a man sitting on a tree limb with no shoes on, just his stockings. He leaped out of the tree limb and landed next to the pair of boots. And then he climbed up the tree trunk, leaped out of the tree again, and landed next to the boots. Papa, said Carlo, what are you doing? I'm a trying to jump into my new boots, said the man. That's not how you put on boots. Carlo pulled off his boots, and he pulled the man's boots on to show him. Like this. Ah, said the man. The man climbed down out of the tree, and he picked up Carlo's boots and pulled them on. These boots don't fit so good. That's because those are my boots, said Carlo. Ah, so when they switched boots and everybody had on the right footwear, the man said, Grazie, and he went on down the road, and Carlo thought to himself, that man was as dumb as Carla. That made two. Carlo continued down the road, and when he came to the end of the road, he came into a village, and there at that village all of the people were going to have a wedding also, except the wedding could not get started because the bride could not even get into the church. She was a very tall girl, and she was going to sit up on a beautiful white horse and ride into the churchyard, but when she sat up on the horse and rode through the gate, she kept banging her head on the cross piece of the gate. She couldn't figure out how to get in. Everybody was standing around in the churchyard, offering different suggestions and ideas. Just cut the horse's legs off, said one man, and then she'll be able to fit right under the gate. No, no, said another, that would ruin the good horse. Just cut the bride's head off, and then she'll be able to pass right under the gate. No, no, said a third. Carlo thought to himself, here is a whole village full of stupido. And then he asked if he could kiss the bride. When the bride leaned over to get her kiss, he smacked the horse on the rump, the horse ran under the gate, and the bride sat back up. She turned round and said, Ah, grazie. She slid off the horse's back and walked into the church to get married. And Carlo thought to himself, That girl was as dumb as Carlo. That made three. 
and he had promised that if he found three people in the world who were as stupido as Carla, that he would marry her. Because then he knew that life could be worse, better to be married to one stupido than to three of them. So he turned himself round, and he went back home and proposed marriage to Carla, and they did get married. Papa Sabastiano did not come to the wedding. He stayed at his house. Out in the front of his house he stood with a hammer in one hand and a big chisel in the other, banging on a stone. Papa, what are you doing? I'm a-carving the tombstone for when my grandson is a-killed. They never could convince him that his grandson was not going to be killed. As it turned out, they did have a baby, and they did name him Bastianello, and he did grow up to be a fine man, but he was never a soldier. He was a city councilman, which means he never did anything important in his entire life. And he used the great tombstone that his papa had carved for him as a paperweight on his desk. And one day, the tombstone, it was so heavy, it broke through the desk and broke through the floor and broke into the wine cellar, smashed open the wine casks, and the whole village was flooded with wine, and that forced me to move away from that place and come here and tell you that story called Bastianello. Today's fairy tale sponsor is Sea Witch Vocal Coaching. Do you always feel like you have a frog in your throat? Perhaps you sound like a little horse or a little horse? Fear not. The Sea Witch will help you find it and inspire your greatness. For a small price, any talent or special feature that you're willing to part with, maybe your perfect nose, the curl in your hair or your uncanny ability to calculate a tip. But really, if you have your phone with you, you don't need to calculate it in your head, so it might be just the thing to exchange for a voice that would stun any judge on the latest reality vocal show. See which vocal coaching. Find your voice at any cost. This episode is also brought to you by the new Patreon supporter, Robin Winters. Robin has the unique ability that when she puts a hat on, she can hear the thoughts of the person who is wearing it just before her. It makes things a bit awkward at times, but it is very helpful when trying to figure out what someone wants for their birthday. Robin is also a generous supporter of storytelling, which is pretty cool. A big thank you to her and all the other patrons of the podcast. Be like Robin and become a patron for as little as $4 a month while getting some sweet perks and rewards. I let the dough rise. I punched it down. I let it rise, and it was perfect. I continued singing as I pulled out my pizza stone and cast iron pan, let them warm in the oven, and then tossed the dough. The perfect circle spun above, and one landed just on the edge of the counter. I scrambled to keep it from falling on the floor. My partner raised an eyebrow on me, but didn't say anything. Believe me, he knows which side his pizza's landing on. I finished pretending I was a professional chef, imaginations can only go so far with that, and spread the dough in the warm pans. On one, I put white sauce, prosciutto, arugula, roasted potatoes, and Parmesan cheese. On the other, red sauce, onions, bell peppers, pepperoni, and a very liberal layer of cheese. 10 to 12 minutes in the oven, and even less time getting it into our mouths. The moon hit our eyes. It was a moray. And I now had a secret recipe song for the perfect pizza dough. 
The second teller for this episode is Priscilla Howe. Based in Kansas, Priscilla performs at schools, libraries, festivals, special events. Her mouthy hand puppets come along to shows for young children, and she tells more grown-up stories to, well, grown-ups and older kids. This is her telling the tale, Belly Button Bird. This story is from Japan. There was a man who was very, very poor. He had holes in his shoes and holes in his clothes and holes in his roof. One day, he was sitting out in front of his house. He did have a house, even though it had holes in the roof. He was sitting in front of his house. It was summer. And he said, oh, I might have holes in my clothes, holes in my shoes, holes in my roof, but that little bird is singing to me. And it's true, there was a little bird way up in the top of the tree singing to the man. Little bird, little bird, would you come closer? And the little bird flew down to a lower branch and it sang to the man again. The man said, little bird, could you come even closer? And it flew closer on that branch and it sang to him again. Little bird, would you come even closer? And the bird flew to his nose. (laughs) It stood right on his nose, and it sang to him, Little bird, would you come even closer? (laughs) He stuck his tongue out, and the bird landed on his tongue. It didn't even taste bad, and that bird sang to him, The man was so amazed at that that he held his breath. But you know that when you hold your breath, at some point you have to breathe in again. And so he did. And when he breathed in, (gasps) he swallowed the bird whole. Oh, no. I swallowed that little bird. Oh, no. Oh, no. Something strange happened. His belly button began to itch a lot. So he was scratching his belly button, and he felt something. It was, well, he pulled, it was three feathers, two yellow, one red, sticking out of his belly button. And he pulled on them, and when he pulled on them, he had that same feeling that you get when you drink too much pop too fast, and the bubbles come up, 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 up. He opened his mouth, and bird song came out of his mouth. He let go of the feathers and the bird song stopped. He pulled them again. He pulled them just a little bit. Well, he spent another hour or two seeing what bird song would come out of his mouth when he pulled the feathers in his belly button. Now, it happened that on that very day, the emperor of Japan was coming through this man's village. And in those days, a long time ago, the people, the regular people, were not allowed to look at the emperor full in the face. When the emperor came through the villages, the people had to bow down and put their faces in the dirt. And so they did, all except that one man. 
The emperor came along with all of his soldiers and his advisors, and he saw this man looking at him. Guards, this man is looking at me. Cut his head off. The man said, wait, you may cut my head off, but first see what comes out of my mouth. And he pulled those feathers. Guards, don't cut his head off. Do that again. They spent another hour with the man playing birdsong for the king. And then the king gave that man a sack of gold. The king, the emperor, the emperor went on his way. And the man had the sack of gold. And with that sack of gold, well, he got shoes with no holes in them, clothes with no holes in them, and he fixed the holes in his roof. And he lived well and happily. And every now and then, when he felt like it, he would just pull those feathers in his belly button and make music. And that's the story of the belly button bird. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Tim Lowry and Priscilla Howe on the internet. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. You can connect with the podcast on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast or me at Rachel Ann Harding. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor was Katie Knudsen. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was me thinking about making pizza, but still kind of chicken about it. You can see the fairy tale sponsor ads on the Story Story Podcast Instagram and Facebook page. And while you're there, let me know your favorite story, or your favorite toppings for pizza. Who knows? Maybe I'll try them out soon. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on iTunes, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. You will hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.